0: Mr Pike. Haughty, wayward, tomboy, Kenneth Williams. Absolute rubbish. <laughs> oh, wrong. What name? Hancock, H-A-H-N, C-H-O-C-K. The H is optional. Here to
1: express your collective astonishment is
2: John Otto Glee. Oh, no! <laughs>
3: the Classic Comedy Hour. Weekday lunchtimes at 12 and again in the evening at 7.
4: And I'll be back with Hancock at 7. For now, keep your wits about you. Nick's here next.
5: Enter the 7th Dimension. BBC Radio 4 Extra.
6: Here we go. Nick Briggs here. Joining me in a moment will be Dirk Maggs, the dramatist and sound designer of Neil Gaiman's distinctly dark tale, Neverwhere. And Dirk will be introducing episode four. Following that, after another chat with Dirk, it'll be time for the latest instalment of Brian Aldiss's Hot House, read by Gareth Thomas, featuring a mind-controlling fungus. In a moment, we rejoin Neil Gaiman's
7: Neverwhere for episode four. Dirk Maggs, hello. Hello, Nick. Where are we now in the story? Oh, we're in a very dark place. The Marquis de Carabas, who is our flamboyant, one of our flamboyant group of uh, heroes, has been caught by Krupp and Vandemar, the very, very nasty villains, and uh, things aren't looking good for him. Uh, But Richard Mayhew, the young Scot who came down to London and rescued a girl called Dor and found himself sucked into a world of magic and myth and history under London we know, is well, and he is with Dor and her bodyguard, Hunter, and they are trying to find the Black Friar. Uh, in their monastery, and to win the key that will give Richard his old life back.
2: Well, a Marquis
0: de Carabas in such a pansy as he looks, Mister Cloom. Tap him with the hammer again, Mister Bunderman. <laughs> See if he's got any last words. Where the Lady Door is headed for (sighs) one.
8: With pleasure.
4: Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. Episode 4 The Black Friars.
3: Feel hungover at all?
1: <laughs> no, the Angel Islington serves very good wine, and you know what? For a while there, nobody was trying to kill us.
3: I'm sure that will remedy
5: itself as the day goes on.
1: Have you ever met the Angel Islington Hunter?
5: To my knowledge, he has never needed a bodyguard. No,
1: I'm just curious. I mean, I'm trying to get back to the real London and, and my old life. And Dora, she wants to find out who killed her family. I just wondered what's in this for you. What are you after? Why would a bodyguard be called Hunter?
3: Um, it's my name? She's playing with you, Richard. Hunter is a legend. She killed the black tiger.
1: What black tiger?
3: The one in the
5: sewers under Calcutta.
1: Oh, right, that one.
5: Are you still hunting? Why do you think I came here? You're joking. The last challenge. The creature that defeated all my rivals. The great beast of London.
1: Where exactly would this great beast of London be found, then?
5: Here, in London below. You'd say that. When I acquire the spear, I shall slay the beast. How old are you, Hunter? As old as my tongue and a little older than my teeth.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you sound like the Marquis. Hey,
5: do we know where he might be, actually?
3: Well, no one ever knows where he might be, or with whom.
1: I don't want to upset you or anything, but has it occurred to anybody that he might have hired Kruppen Vandemar to kill your family?
3: Yes, it did occur to me. But he's as afraid of Kruppen Vandemar as I am.
5: He has good reason.
3: The Monastery Bell. We're getting closer.
2: Our work here is done, Mr. Crew. You are
0: an artist, Mr. Vandemar. Oh. I do believe you squeezed every last drop of life out of the Marquis before he expired. I want to do the
2: same with the lady door, but orders is orders. What
0: kind of order is it to scare somebody? We should be brought to this. If she'd have been in, I would have scared her lots.
2: I could have pulled his head off while she wasn't looking, put my hand up his throat, wiggled my fingers about. They always scream when the eyeballs fall out. But Why get so squeamish at this stage in the game? I'm not squeamish, Mr. Croop. I like it when the eyeballs fall out. Peepers and tarrywags. No, not you. The Governor...
0: Killer, kidnapper, scarer. Why doesn't he make up his mind? When that phone rings, Mr. Croup, we might find
2: out.
1: Hey, ladies, is there a chance we can stop? My shoes are filling up with mud.
5: You hope it's mud. It's mud.
3: Not far to go. Just
5: over the bridge and we're at the monastery gates. I don't think it'll be quite that easy. The monk guarding the bridge with a quarter staff like this. Hold fast. Tell me your
2: names and your stations.
3: I am the Lady Dor. I am Portigo's daughter of the House of the Arch.
5: I am Hunter, her bodyguard. I'm Richard Mayhew, What? I am the first gatekeeper. You wish
1: to pass? Uh, Yeah, Uh, we do, actually. Look, we're soaking wet and we need to find this key. Step back! Settle down, pal. What's your problem? (coughs) No
2: problem, traveler. But if you set foot on this bridge, you must accept the
5: challenge. I accept the challenge. Here is my quarterstaff.
1: So be it. Are you all right, Richard? I'm fine. just a bit winded. Nice to see who wins this, though.
5: It shouldn't use be saving your strength for the great beast. I fought in the sewer beneath New York with the great blind white alligator king. He was thirty feet long, fat from sewage and fierce in battle i bested him, and I killed him. I fought the bear that stalked the city beneath Berlin. He had killed a thousand men, and his claws were stained black with the dried blood of a hundred years. But he fell to me. He whispered words in a human tongue as he died. And I shall say the beast of London. His tusks are razors, and his hooves are thunderbolts. I will kill him, or I will die
1: in the... That's my nightmare. I dream about that thing, the, the beast.
5: Don't distract me.
1: You seem to have things in hand.
5: The man's
2: good.
1: Hunter's better. It's a comforting thing, anybody, guys.
2: Enough! You win. Well fought. I salute you, brother. Who are they? Brother Sable. The Lady Door, Lord Portico's daughter of the House of Arch, Hunter, her bodyguard, and Richard May Wet, the companion. She bested me in fair fight, Brother Fuliginus. Let them come up. You may pass to the second gatekeeper. You have passed the first gatekeeper of the Black Friars. I am the second. Do you accept the challenge? Yes. Yo, hang on, daughter. Very well. Listen. I turn my head, and you may go where you want. I turn it again. You will stay till you rot. I have no face, but I live or die by my crooked teeth.
3: Who
1: am I?
5: We have to solve the riddle. Anybody
1: got a pen or paper? Shh, shh,
3: Richard. Crooked teeth. Go where you. A key. The answer is you're a key. A wise one. That's two steps taken.
9: One more to take. Father Abbott? How many of them are there? Three, Father Abbott. And has one of them bested the first gatekeeper? Yes, Father Abbott. And did one of them answer the second gatekeeper correctly?
5: Yes, Father Abbott.
9: So, one of them is left to face the ordeal of the key. Let him or her stand forward
5: now. Oh, no. Let me take his place. I will face the ordeal.
1: We cannot permit that. Let me get this straight. Someone has got an ordeal waiting for them, right? Somebody who didn't have to fight down in the mud and didn't get to answer your little riddle. We're talking about me, aren't we?
3: Correct. You don't want him. Take one of us.
9: Three of you come. There are three tests. Each of you faces one test. And that is fair. If he passes the ordeal, he will return to you. <sighs> right. Right. Um, this ordeal of yours, Father Abbott...
1: How much of an ordeal is it? I mean, is it like going to visit a rather ill-tempered elderly relative is kind of like an ordeal? Or is this kind of ordeal more like plunging your hand into scalding water to see how fast it takes off the skin sort of ordeal? Yes. Father Abbott, can I call you Father Abbott? Yes. We haven't come for the tests and all that, we've just come for a key. Yes. And it's for an angel, man. Yes. Come on, you can't say no to an angel, especially a man of the cloth like yourself. Why don't we just skip the ordeal bit, right? And then we can go back, you can hand it over, and I'll tell the others that you and I consensually
9: ordealed. This way through the portcullis, please.
3: We're coming too. No!
9: You stay on the bridge with Brother Sibyl. Take my arm, Father
2: Abbott. Follow us, Richard Mayhew Wett.
9: Richard, when our order was founded, we were entrusted with the key. It is one of the holiest and the most powerful of all sacred relics. You must pass it on, but only to the one who passes the ordeal and proves worthy. If I fail the ordeal, then we don't get the key, do we? No, my son. Would I be able to, I don't know, come back after a wee rest and, and have a second go? <laughs> If that should happen, you will in all probability be beyond caring. In here, please.
2: Mind the step, Father Abbott. Now, smile.
9: <laughs> That's a real antique. It's called a Polaroid camera. The feliginous likes to use the latest technology. Yeah, uh, right. It takes pictures instantly. Ooh, neato. Pin his picture up with the others. R- who are the people in all the other pictures? This is our wall of those who failed. So none of them are forgotten. What? That is our burden also. Memorial. Th- these people are all dead. They failed the ordeal. God rest them. <laughs> don't put me up there with them yet
3: so stupid three of us i should never have come straight here
5: what would you have done differently if you had known
3: i wouldn't have brought him here for a start i'd have found the Marquis.
5: you trust de carabas more or less Mm. a pity he was not here to take the last challenge What
2: do you care for a bush my shopping cart,
0: Mr. Crooper? The Marquis makes a surprisingly heavy call. In due course, Mr. Van Allow me a moment to confess that my soul is irked by the necessity to hide our light under a bushel. We should be hanging the former Marquis's sad remains from the highest gibbet in London below. Not. Tossed it away like a you. Rats. Oh, budget he got. Uh... spleen? We're here. Tip him in. The sooner this business is over and done with the happier I'll be. There's other towns and other places that would properly appreciate two pair of dab hands with a garrotting wire and a boning knife. Good night, good marquee. Don't forget to write to tip him in. <laughs> It is saddening to reflect that there are folk wandering the streets above who will never know the beauty of these sewers, Mr. Vandemar, These red-brick cathedrals beneath their feet. The Craftsmanship. With cities as with people, Mr. Vandemar, the condition of the bowels is all-important. Let us go await our employer's call. <sighs>
9: Uh, the rabbit and um, the boiling water is this part of the ordeal good lord yes the first part of the ordeal of the key is the nice cup of tea here thanks a lot is it poisoned Oh, good gracious no
1: alright bottoms up
9: a very nice cup of tea. So this is all part of the ordeal, right? Mm, in a manner of speaking. We always like to give the seekers a cup of tea before they start. Part of the ordeal for us. Not for you. is rather nice tea, all things considered.
5: Thank you, Father Abbott.
9: Right, right. Would, would, would you both mind, then, if we just got on with the ordeal part of it? Not at all, not at all. Thank you. It has been pleasant meeting you. What is the... Come on, man. Is there nothing you can tell me about this ordeal? Sadly, no. We lead the seeker to the door through which is the shrine. We wait out here for an hour or two, and then we remove the remains of the seeker from the shrine. Right. Well, lead on Macduff. For the Feliginous, the door, please. I'll just go through. Farewell.
10: Dear, dear. It's Leon
9: Macduff, actually. Now what? Hello?
1: Hello? 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 You got a light or anything, or a, I don't know, a candle maybe? So door handle. <sighs> what is this?
2: This is a courtesy announcement for passengers from London Underground. Please keep your belongings safe at all times and report any unattended items to station staff. Thank you.
0: Look, mummy, that man is sad. Don't get too near to him, Melanie. He's a tramp. Uh, Why
5: do people like that still alive? Not enough guts to end it all. Come along,
1: Stone. I beg your pardon? Hello. What? How are you, Richard? Gutty! You all right? Oh my! You give me such a <laughs> wait a minute. You can see me. Yeah, you always were a kidder. Oh Gary, listen, I know I know I've been missing for a couple of days, but I can explain. I've fallen into this place called London Below. I've hooked up with this girl called the Lady Door, right? Richard. We found a key Richard. What? I'm not really here. Eh? I'm you. Talking to
5: yourself. Uh, You're
1: sitting on Blackfriars Station talking to yourself. Shut up. And you know what they say about people who talk to themselves? Yeah. I'm what's left of your sanity. <coughs> Touch me. What? Go on. It's a bit weird, man. Y- oh, you're not there. Sorry, mate. But the truth is, this is the closest you've been in a week to reality. Get up. See that advertising display? Yeah. Look in the glass. Go on. All right, all right, all right. Oh, my God.
5: Yeah, I look at you. A week's growth of beard and a bloody great pimple on your nose. Nice hair. Stuffed
1: any
3: mattresses lately? It's not good, is it? Jessica? Oh, I'm afraid not. I'm still you. But you have to listen, darling. You're the closest to reality you've been.
1: (laughs) I'm on to you. This is all just part of the ordeal, isn't it?
3: Ordeal? It is, isn't
1: it? You're trying to stop me getting the key for the Angel Islington, the key that'll get me home!
3: Listen to yourself. Can't you tell how ridiculous all this sounds? <laughs> Richard, you had some kind of... of nervous breakdown.
1: What? I'm still me and I'm still here.
3: I'm so sorry,
1: Richard. No, 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 no Jessica, come back!
2: You still need someone to tell you what to do? Gary, you are not me! All these commuters can see is you, walking up and down the platform, talking to yourself, trying
8: to get up the courage to... To what?
1: Ladies and gentlemen,
2: London Transport would like to apologise for the delay to District and Circle Line services. This is due to a person under a train at
1: Blackfriars Station. That trains coming. They're running again. Gaddy, 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 come back. I'm not finished with you.
2: This is a customer announcement. Richard, you know it makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does in a way, doesn't it? This, This makes sense. No, this this is not real.
2: Nobody wants you. Nobody needs you.
1: Door needs me.
2: There is no door.
1: Yes, there is. Yes, there is. She's got blue eyes and she's got really soft hair and she's, 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 why can't I remember the rest of her?
6: Accept the world you belong to. Yeah. Walk
1: to the edge of the platform. Edge of the platform, here we go. Yeah. 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 This feels good, actually. Trains are coming. Trains are coming. No, no, no. This this isn't real. The door is real. I belong with her.
2: Don't mind the gap. Richard.
1: Yeah, no, don't mind the gap. Here we go. Come on, trains are coming. Richard. Anesthesia? Richard.
5: <laughs> Hold on.
1: Lean forward. Yeah, lean forward. Let, Let go. Here we go. Let him go. Let him go. Richard. Anesthesia? That's it. Anesthesia, is that you? Richard. You're still alive. Hold on. You, you're still alive. Hold on. Hunter said you would come back. Remember, Hunter said you would come back. Wait a minute, trains are coming. No, 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 no! Trains are coming. Hunter said you would come back. This isn't real. Trains are coming.
8: Hunter said you would come back. This isn't real. Four needs me.
9: Shall I call the other brothers to help you, Philoginus, or can you carry the body?
2: I can manage, thank you, Father Abbot.
9: Poor oh, creature. I am not a poor creature.
2: Bless me.
9: You're blessed. He he is alive. Richard Mayhewet, you're alive. (laughs) I am. I am alive.
1: I think I might be more alive than I've ever been. Unless this is just another part of the blinking ordeal
9: No, my son, no Do you know what,
1: religion is? would you mind sticking the kettle on Because I could murder a cup of tea
9: Of course, of course <sighs> uh, Excuse me,
1: Richard Don't forget the key The what? The key? Ah, the key Yes, of course, <laughs> thank you uh,
9: uh, Must you take it?
1: Must I take it? Yeah. just had my ex fiance try to tell me to kill myself, so yeah, I think I'll take it, Paul.
8: Very well. Door,
5: something's happening. Get ready to make a run for it. Poor Richard. I hope death was quick. Apparently not.
1: Cheer up, girls. Somebody die? Still alive, then? No thanks to me.
3: Yeah. The key!
1: <laughs> the key. Don't lose it.
9: Oh, Richard! Well done!
1: Oh, not too tight, all right? I'm still a bit bruised from that whack Brother Sable gave me.
9: May the temple and the arch be with you all on your journey through the underside.
3: Thank you,
5: Father Abbott. We should get moving. Can you walk, Richard?
9: <sighs> yeah, yeah, let's go. My Lord Abbott, mm. you look troubled. Yes. We have lost the key. God help us all.
0: Troop and Vandermeer, eyes gouged, noses twisted, tongues pierced, chins cleft, throats slit. Safe. Right, it will keep her safe. Most people would be content with hiring assassins for executions. Only you, sir, would hire the two finest cutthroats in the whole of space and time, and then ask them to ensure a little girl remains unharmed.
2: Ask him, Mister Crone.
0: Yes. Do, we, do you remember the Marquis de Carabas? I take it that there is no such similar prohibition on extirpating the Marquis. Ah. Uh, ah. Oh, I see. What did he say? He said, Mister Vandermar, that we should feel free to do whatsoever we wished.
2: <sighs> oh, oh Well, that's good, <laughs> Mister Crugby. i not mean, giving it his bodies in the sewers.
8: <laughs>
3: something funny.
1: I was just, I was just thinking about the expression on the Marquis's face when we tell him that I got the key from the Friars without his help.
3: I'm sure he'll have something sardonic to say about it. And then we have to get it back to the Angel. By the long and dangerous way, whatever that is.
5: Have you got it safe?
3: The key, yes, here.
5: That piece of string isn't going to be safe.
3: Don't worry, I'll get a chain for it when we get to the market.
5: You, in the shadows, speak or die.
3: I am Lamia, I am unarmed. A velvet. I am so.
5: What is your purpose here?
3: I'm passing to pay respects to my sisters, then to the floating market. Oh, could you tell us where it is and when? Tonight, Belfast.
5: Thank you. Belfast?
7: You are not one of us. No. Are you the upwelder who survived the Blackfriars ordeal?
5: <sighs> Word gets round fast.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be me. <clears throat> mm.
7: I'll
3: see you at the market.
1: Okey-dokey. Au revoir. And
3: don't flatter yourself, Richard. Pre-Raphaelite looks aren't everything. No,
1: no. No, of course not. Still, she was a very attractive young lady, though. So, um... <clears throat> What is a velvet, anyway?
3: They sleep down here during the day and walk the upworld at night.
5: Are they dangerous? Everybody down here is dangerous. From the velvets to the sewer folk. Sewer folk? That sounds charming. They've lived here since before the great stink. Which was... when?
3: (laughs) Don't you know anything?
1: Not usually. Look, sewer smell. End of story.
3: Well, London hasn't always had sewers. The rubbish and toilet stuff used to just get flung into its rivers and streams not to a point the Thames could carry it all out to the sea, but the sheer amount of people got too much for it. One hot summer, it all backed up and produced the great stink. So thousands of miles of sewers were built, and the sewer folk made their home at the eastern end.
1: Well, it doesn't sound like much of a life.
3: It isn't. They sit along the parapets over the sluice gates, fishing stuff out. You see them at floating markets selling what they've dredged up from the sewage. You'd be amazed what they find down there.
5: We should get moving.
3: Belfast is a long walk.
1: Belfast? That's a bloody long walk. Market night. What we got to show for him? Soddle.
2: Nah, Danikin. Look. Uh, uh, two gloves. Uh, plastic leg. Uh, dead dog. We got to do better than this. Pick looking stuff out. We just have to be late. Yeah. What's that there? Lodged in the eddy by the sluice gate. Give me a look. That's a body and a fresh one. Help me some. Oh, a fine one. This is what we needed. Nice frock coat, frilled shift. Body not in the water more than an hour. Separately or of a piece. This is valuable goods. Give me them pram wheels. Let's have our fine friend off to market. Oh, mind his head. This booty will make us a fair profit.
8: (coughs) Right, Right, you lot, you listening? Yeah, listen. I am not washing my smalls a third time today. If you need to do your business, there's a hundred statues you can fly to and crap all over. Not my underwear, are we clear? Not whoa, whoa. Whoa. all at once, surely. Oh. oh, Master Rat! I did not see you there. No wonder my lot scarpered. To what do I owe the pleasure, sir? Slower, slower. What? Huh? What the sewer folk found the body, and it's definitely him. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. I got his silver box in my pocket. But I, I'm not as young as I was. I don't like the under places. I'm a roof man, I am, born and bred. Yeah. Whoa, 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 More haste, less speed. I'm going. Now, where's the market going to be? Uh, Radio. I can't promise anything. But I promised the marquee I'd do what I could. And I will, even if he is dead.
4: In episode four of Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman, Richard was played by James McAvoy, and Dorr by Natalie Dormer. The Marquis de Carabas was David Harewood, Hunter, Sophie O'Conedo, Croup, Anthony Head, and Vandemar, David Schofield. Old Bailey was Bernard Cribbins, the abbot, George Harris, brother Philigenus, Don Gile, and brother Sable and Sump, Abdul Salis. Lamia was Lucy Kohu, Jessica, Romola Gary, and Gary, Paul Checker. Dunnequin, Ben Crow, and the little girl, Cloda Casey. The underground announcer was Patrick Brennan, ...and other parts were played by members of the cast. Neverwhere Episode 4, The Black Friars, was dramatized by Dirk Maggs and directed by Heather Lama. The sound design was by Dirk Maggs and the producer was Heather Lama.
6: And Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere continues at the same time tomorrow dramatist and sound designer dirk mags is with me here in the seventh dimension hello hello nick uh, tell us about the job of sound designing something like this it's very rich layered sort of sound how do you achieve that uh, in layers
7: ah yes thank you well you Next see you've <laughs> what can i tell you mm. well it's kind of like it's like painting a picture you start at the back and work to the front so you start with a little backwash what what atmosphere the black friars uh the monastery the black fires although this is london below. Uh, the idea is, it's such a huge world of its own that it can actually almost have its own sky, and so on and so forth. And and the idea was, the monastery of the Black Friars to me w- was in some kind of swamp, and so I tried to get exotic swamp sound effects as a general background, so it immediately takes you out of the everyday, and then gradually moving forward. It's a sort of mind-reading thing. How, If I can get the right pictures in sound, the listener will pick those references up. So this monastery is very old. It's got some kind of portcullis. It's got a bridge. It's got a guardian of the bridge who fights you before you go over it. And it's sort of thinking what sort of are they cobbles on that they're walking over or is Richard walking through mud there's going to be a fight between Hunter and the monk and and it's thinking how are their footsteps sound, what what were their clothing sound if they fall over, somebody wearing uh, chain mail is going to sound different falling over from someone who's wearing uh, a monk's habit, it's just building all these layers up and the final ingredient in the mix in a way is the voices they they dictate the pace and the style but at the same time if you've built all the rest up then the voices sit on a very rich bed and the picture comes to the mind very easily
6: have you got your own chain mail
7: no but we, i've got a lot of saucepans <laughs> <sighs> me too thanks we'll be
6: talking further tomorrow
7: i am look forward to it
6: bbc radio for extra <laughs> the 7th Dimension. Time now for the latest instalment of Hot House by Brian Aldiss and read by Gareth Thomas. It is the far-flung future, and a colossal banyan tree covers much of the earth. In its boughs, the last remnants of humanity are fighting for survival, terrorised by carnivorous plants and grotesque insect life. The earth has stopped rotating and is attached to the moon with cobwebs spun by enormous spider-like plants. Human descendants Gren and Poilet have been taken over by the fungus Morel, whose ambition is to take over the earth."
10: Little silent things without minds sped around the highway, appearing from and disappearing into the dark greens that surrounded it. Two fruit cases moved cautiously along the highway. From under them, two pairs of eyes looked askance at the silent things and flitted here and there like the things themselves in their search for danger. Occasional branches forked horizontally from the highway. These were ignored in the slow but steady progress. The surface was rough, providing excellent holes for the moving fingers and toes that protruded from the fruit cases. For the highway was one trunk of the mighty banyan tree, that one inexhaustible tree which spread from shore to shore. The two fruit cases moved from its middle layers towards the ground below. Foliage gradually filtered out the light so that they seemed to move in a green mist towards a tunnel of black. At last, one of the fruit-cases hesitated and stopped. "'I fear going down towards the ground,' Poiley said from under her case. "'We must go where the morel directs,' Gren said, with patience, explaining, as he explained before, "'he has more wisdom than we have. Now that we are on the trail of another group, it would be foolish to disobey him. How can we live in the forest on our own?' He knew the morel in her head was soothing her with similar arguments.' "'Yet, ever since Gren and Poiley had begun their journey back towards the forest, Poiley had been uneasy, "'her self-exile from the group having imposed on her a greater strain than she had expected. "'Need we go farther?' she asked in a tiny voice, taking hold of Gren's wrist. "'Then they waited with a timorous patience for another voice that they knew would answer them. "'Yes, you shall go further, Poily and Gren.' "'for I advise you to go, and I am stronger than you.' "'The voice was already familiar to them both. "'It was a voice made without lips, and heard without ears, "'a voice born and dying within their heads. "'It had the tone of a dusty harp. "'I have brought you so far in safety,' the morel continued, "'and I will take you farther in safety. "'I taught you to wear the fruit-cases for camouflage, "'and already we have come a long way in them, unharmed.' "'Go a little farther, and there will be glory for you.' "'We need a rest, Morel,' Gren said. "'Rest, and then we will go on. "'We have found the traces of another human tribe. "'This is not the time to be faint of heart. "'We must find the tribe.'